Love podcasts? You'll love Podcast Magazine, taking readers into the lives of today's leading podcasters and beyond the microphone of the shows fans love. Each month, Podcast Magazine's dedicated writers share personal interviews, industry happenings, exclusive categorical charts, and independent ratings and reviews of under-the-radar shows. If you listen to podcasts, subscribe now at podcastmagazine.com and grab a free lifetime subscription while you can. That's podcastmagazine.com. On today's episode of Reinvention Radio. So one of the things we do with everybody who joins our challenge is we ask them, who else do you know who can benefit from this amazing, powerful pre-training? And we give them a little snippet and we say, okay, you can post this on your Facebook page. You can put it on your, like, and basically says, hey, I'm participating in this challenge. I thought of you. Here's why I think you would find it incredibly valuable. Just sign up here and it's only going to be here for a limited time. And then, like, especially when I was first starting out, over 30% of the people who participated in a challenge actually came from their friends because they will trust them a lot more than they would trust seeing an ad from me. This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Alrighty, welcome to... Another edition here of Reinvention Radio. Steve Elsher hanging out with the lovely Mary Goulet. Hello, Mary Goulet. Hello. <laughs> Tay, what's up? What's up? How's it going? Hi, Mary. Alrighty. Hey, we Richard. Are, we are live on Facebook as we do uh, pretty much every Thursday from 12 until 2 Pacific. So definitely try to join us live. We'd love to have you there with your questions and with your comments and your feedback and all that fun stuff. Uh, and that way you get to see Mary Goulet's lovely pinkish mauvish lipstick that matches your sunglasses. You're so coordinated. Well, I, I was thinking about it. You guys all grow this facial hair. So I just switched up my lipstick. Uh-huh. Very nice. <laughs> I like you. I like you. Richie Ote, how you feeling, brother? What is going on? How you hanging in? Good overall. I had my first kind of weird day yesterday, but it ended up being not lasting long, but it was the first, yeah. first kind of like, well, is, is this what someone feels like when they're depressed? Like, I don't know. I've never really talked to you about that. I don't get those feelings. And so I'm like, <laughs> well, let's talk about those feelings. <laughs> what did it feel like? Well, it was just, um, there's so much opportunity and there's so many things that are going so right. And I just see so many people that I want to help, but you can't force somebody to do something. And I was just kind of stuck in the wanting to help, but they're not wanting, you know, to see the opportunity that's sitting there. And it just, just felt hopeless for a little bit, but you know, by the end of the day, I felt great again, but it was just a weird, heavy feeling. It was almost like uh like, why do I feel responsible for them and their feelings? But I just did, like, almost yeah. all day. It was weird. Was that? Because you're Richard. You're super <laughs> loving. You're empathetic. Was that um, was that on the on the business front, or was that on the personal front, or what? What was, was like? It was a little, was a little bit of each. Yeah, around. it was a little bit of each. So, I have two friends that own local restaurants here in town and they're they're literally 
right around the corner from each other. Yeah. And so I'm been working with one and he's implementing and moving forward. And like, he, he literally, he averaged maybe $6,000 on his best day. And he had a $10,000 mother's day, you know, so he's doing great. He's in. And, and so I go in wow. to talk to the other one and he's just so like depressed about everything and can't have him. How did, how did he have $10,000? $10, like just purely takeout. Cause obviously. Takeout, yeah. Crushing wow. it. I mean, it, you know, and there's, there's differences between the food and stuff. Like one is most like, he's mostly centered around the food. It's not like the dining experience. Whereas yeah. the other one, it's more the dining experience. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I was just kind of basically trying to talk to him about, look, I know what you want to do, but when we talk about survival of the fittest, it's not the strongest or the fastest or the smartest. It's the most adaptable. And this is just the world right now. It doesn't mean you have to be doing it that way forever, but people want takeout. They still need mm -hmm. to eat. Mm -hmm. And one's doing it and one doesn't. And I just got too emotionally attached with the one that's not. And just, you know, like I said, by yeah. the end of the day, it cleared up, but I just felt so heavy. It was weird. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and rightly so. I mean, you know, you're an emotional guy and you're going to take on that, that emotion, but at the same token, you know, it's, it's interesting too, because you, I'm sure can see, the possibilities and the potential and 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 I hate using the word because everybody seems to hate it now I don't actually hate it but the pivot that you know that people can make or in this case that your friend can make and and it, it's it's probably like a, a um, uh, it's two things right so there's a paralyzation in terms of just being paralyzed by fear right and not knowing exactly what tomorrow is going to bring so there, there's that. And then there's also, so there's the, there's the fear of the future. So it's like you don't have certainty about what's in front of you. But it's also in terms of holding on to the anchor of the past. So what, what I'm finding is that a lot of folks, and for those joining us uh, live on Facebook, of course, would love to hear your feedback on this as well. And what I'm finding is that a lot of people do not know how to operate and rightly so in these unprecedented times where we're still holding on to how things were because, I mean, Fork, you know, it was just 60, 75 days ago that things were the way they were. And in that short period of time, very few people, especially those, I mean, you took, look at somebody who's got a restaurant and he's been operating for, for years. And then all of a sudden, you know, on a dime, he's expected to change everything about his whole operation in terms of what he's known to be true. So here's the interesting part. Cause I don't want to, I want you to keep rolling with this, but this no, is I'm the good. most interesting no. part. The one that actually is doing really good is the one who's been doing it longer and he pivoted yeah. quicker. And the, that's where I was so frustrated. The other guy is like a really amazing chef and has awesome personality. And it's like, focus towards takeout and focus towards giving the ingredients and like show people live stream, show them how to cook the food, like make it, you know what I mean? Like, you know me, I'm just that goofball. Like yeah. just keep trying until something works. But why did he give you a reason why he was so resistant? I think it's, I think it's just cause he, 
had just gotten started. He had so mm-hmm. much enthusiasm in this new way. And so much of it was centered again. He's a great chef is centered around the dining experience and being inside of there and seeing them make the stuff, right? You can see into the kitchen. Like there's just so much about it that he was so excited about. Yeah. And it had yeah. just started to get momentum and they were in San Diego magazine and people were starting, you know, and, and it was just like, ugh, right. Like, and yeah. it, so it, it literally, to your point there, Steve, it was almost more like he was so bought into how it was supposed to look that when it ended up in this, you know, we, he literally started like January, but yeah. he's, he could easily pivot. The, the spot, the location, the, everything about it is so easy, but he just has to get out of the way of what he saw that it had to look like. Yeah. He's been doing this for nine weeks. Is he going to survive in the location? I don't know. Luckily, the guy that owns the building, I don't know enough about that, but the guy that owns the building is like 85 and has owned it outright for 60 years or something. So he's probably not too with with, regarding that but he i think part of how it got heavy for me too is he's such an emotional guy also and so bummed out he had to let some of the employees go and so you know like he was just getting something special going yeah but yeah no i totally get that and and i think that's that's the the part that's really hard to measure is you see all the numbers you see all the stats and you see you know all of this data which on the surface is, I mean, obviously it's alarming, but what you don't see in that data is all of the ripple effects and impact that every single, and it's, and it's hard, right? Like it's, I forget what the expression is, but um, you know, basically people won't take action uh, for the many, but they'll take action for one, you know, that sort of thing. Like when you just see like, you know, 20 million people are unemployed. Okay, great. What's tomorrow's number? Ooh, 21 million. And it's like, and then it becomes like, even like with this COVID thing, you know, you start watching the, the chart of number of people infected. It's like 1.3 million people affected. It's like, ooh, let's go for 1.4. Like on the outside, you know, you start, it just is this weird kind of game. And I think it's just natural. I think it's just human nature to some extent that when you almost gamify it, when you put up these numbers and it's like, you're at 800,000, let's get to a million. You know what I mean? And, and so what we don't see in all of that, you know, in, in the COVID, obviously you just don't see enough of the families that are impacted by people who have actually lost someone that they love. And then in terms of the, the unemployed, you, you don't have enough people talking specifically about this is John. John worked here for 20 years this restaurant closed. This is John's boss who employed him for 20 years. And he's a wreck because he loved John like he was part of his family, et cetera, et cetera. Like we need, as hard as that story is, I just, I feel like we need more of that right now. So, so it's challenging. Needless to say, it is, it is challenging for so many. Um, and, and, and right now, in, in terms of the, the world of, of things that are challenging and, and challenges and so on in a completely different context, I really wanted to have our, our guest on today because, and Alina, go ahead and bring up your camera and your, and your microphone when you're ready. Uh, in the meantime, I'll, I'll set the stage for you here. 
Um, but what, what I love about what Alina Vincent uh, does and what she's been doing is really helping people to create these online challenges where she helps business owners generate revenue, generate leads, generate visibility, credibility, authority, and so on through leveraging the, the power of social, leveraging the power of, you know, the whole world of, of online. And, and it's just, it's interesting because so many people are using the term of, you know, how things are very challenging right now, which they are. And on the other side of that, there are so many entrepreneurs who are now taking on this whole world of creating what is known as an online challenge. So it's just a really opportune time to, to address both sides of that coin uh, because there is opportunity in creating these challenges. Uh, and there really is a, a very challenging time for so many business owners, especially those who have been slow to embrace digital and virtual as a, as a uh, significant component of their business. And so it's, I mean, it is literally digital or die at this point. And this is a lot of what we've been talking about before you came on here, Alina. And, um, and of course, you know, you come from another part of the, uh, of the country as well. So I would be remiss not to ask what, what is the world like in, in, in Reno right now? Like what, what, cause I don't know, I haven't been to Reno since the last time I was there for one of your events. So what, what's, what's Reno looking like right now? It's really interesting as far as the number of people affected. We are very lucky because we're already kind of been spread out, not as much as a lot of bigger populations, bigger cities with a lot bigger populations. However, our economy, our whole economy is based on casinos and gambling and everything is completely shut down. Like I'm not in Vegas, but Vegas is it's a completely empty strip. It's never been like it's never been like this ever in the whole history of Vegas. And that means a lot of people out of work, a lot of casinos are completely closed, restaurants are closed, all of the places that actually generate revenue from the tourism. So people, a lot of people are affected because they simply can't go to work. Yeah, yeah. And so what's interesting is you're, and you may, folks may hear a little bit of an accent. Uh, you are, you're not, you, technically you're not even first generation. Your children would be first generation, right? My That's how it works. Right, your children are, yeah. So, so you you came to the states how long ago when you were when you were younger so it's it's in ninety four so that yeah. was over twenty years ago yeah and so, so give us a little bit of an understanding of what brought you here to the states and and you know fortunately you have created a business for yourself where you're I don't want to say immune to what's going on but being in Reno and having an online business I'm sure you're not impacted in the same way obviously that the casinos are and tourism and, and restaurants and hospitality and so on uh, but you've really embraced this whole online world and have made a name for yourself uh, with these quote-unquote challenges and so I just want to take a couple of steps back in terms of where you uh, where you came from and then what brought you here to the states and, and then a little bit about how you got into this whole world of online marketing. Oh, sure. Uh, and by the way, yes, I am so lucky. I'm almost afraid to talk about it because we just had our best month ever. Like April mm. was our best month ever in our business. So I feel very fortunate, very happy that that's where we are. Like my people are, I just raised their like 
we're not laying off people. We are increasing their payments. We're giving them better commissions. So it's actually my business is really thriving. And I'm so happy that this is where I am. Um, it's interesting because I have never, ever growing up thought that I would want to have my own business. I'm not one of those people who are like, I'm born an entrepreneur at three years old. I had my own lemonade stand. No, I actually grew up in a several generations of academic professors. So my parents were both professors of physics. My grandparents on one side were professors of math. So I grew up like not even knowing that anything like that was possible. So my path was like, go to school, get a degree, get another degree, start teaching, get tenure, keep teaching. And that's basically your whole entire life. And I grew up in former Soviet Union. I grew up in Uzbekistan. So that's where I lived for the first 20 years of my life. So mm -hmm. like, sort of like very clean cut. You work hard. If you want to make more money, get a second job. If you want to make more money, get a third job and work really hard. That's the only way you can get success and super academic based, super like the more you know, the better you are as a human being, totally mm -hmm. like professional development over personal development. So very, uh, and like never can be vulnerable, never can trust people. There's, there's a little bit of that. So the reason I actually came to the United States was I was an exchange student because I was on top of my class. I applied for a contest and I was chosen as one of the five people from the whole entire country to come to actually to Reno, Nevada. Not that would have been my first choice ever, but was like, <laughs> this is where you're going. And my mom was like, okay, it's a capital of gambling, capital of prostitution, capital of divorces, like where are you going? And I've never been outside of the country. And I came here for almost the entire year to study of course, physics, what else? And uh, then I spent a year here. It was very interesting, the whole like perspective of how people live on the other, other side of the world. Learned mm -hmm. a lot. There was a lot of growth. It was a lot of this, like, I have to reinvent myself. I'm alone. All of my friends are who knows where anymore. I'm not that was before the internet. How big, um, how, how big was the culture shock, just out of curiosity, coming like, what was, because I don't know anything about like, Uzbekistan like what was it is it fairly developed and modern I mean obviously if your parents you know were so as well educated as they were I mean it maybe the culture shock may well, actually to Reno it's interesting it may actually have you know I don't want to knock Reno but maybe there was actually a little less culture than you were expecting there no it was interesting because the city I grew up with it was capital of Uzbekistan Tashkent and we have over two million people at least there were oh. over 2 million people when we were there. So it's a huge industrial center. I was at the university, our first university in the whole uh, country. So like culture-wise, of course, there's all this gambling. But I think the biggest difference was how people relate to each other. How um, the biggest shock was like here... Uh, you do something and you're super afraid that somebody will sue you or something happens to you. The first moment is like, oh, how cool can I sue? How can I blame it somebody else and get money for it? So there was a lot of that that was completely yeah. foreign. And another thing is how close families were. Uh, one of the friends that I met like in the first week of me being here, uh, he said, when I turned 18, my mom uh, changed the, basically moved out and didn't let him know where she moved. It was like that kind of relationships where we have several generations living in the same house and it's always like, who do you support? So there, it's more probably closer to Mexican culture where uh, somebody needs to build a house. The whole entire neighborhood comes and builds a house. So more of that kind of thing. Everybody's out there to help you and support you versus here. I felt it was more like we're in for it for ourselves. Yeah. So, so less of the like, oh, you have theaters or anything like that, but more like how people related to each other. Yeah. So, 
Go ahead, Mary. Yeah, what were you saying? California, if you went to the Midwest and some other interior states, there's, and especially like the Italians would show up if they had someone yes. that- Yes, yes. California were a melting pot of so many different places that were disconnected. It's hard to find friends. It takes time to develop relationships in California. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Nevada, California, they're all kind of uh, about the same. Yeah, of course. Like since then, I've changed my mind on a lot of things. But the first impression, that was my, my, my first impression of like, hmm, interesting. This is how people live here. Yeah. And I know you kind of worked your way through different iterations of who you are and what you wanted yes. to do, what you wanted to be known for. Um, do you want to hear a little bit more about that? Well, <laughs> Let's let's uh, just because I I, I want to get into as much detail as possible around your expertise with challenges, but mm -hmm. I, I do want to make sure that people have an understanding of what led you to attaining this expertise with challenges. Because you 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 embraced the the world of online marketing and so on and so forth. So you've been doing that for for some time. But what what did that world look like for you before you got into really mastering this world of online challenges? Sure. So I'll give you like a brief, uh, the next 10, 20 years. So I went back home, applied for grad, graduated there, applied for grad school. And this is kind of where I actually officially came back and I stayed here and I created life for myself here, met my husband. So I spent the first 16 years after I came back working at the university and I was teaching classes, getting more degrees. And the very like unique thing happened is I got an opportunity to work as an instructional designer. So that was my first introduction to like, oh, you can actually put courses online. You can actually teach online. And uh, we went through that stage that almost every university is going through right now where they've been just forced online, like without, without any preemption, without any warning, without any prep. And we actually were doing some of that rollout about 10, 15 years ago, because there was a mandate that every department had to have at least one or two classes in a hybrid online format. And I was in charge of putting those classes online. So we met a lot of resistance, a lot of skepticism. That was my first kind of a introduction to like people don't believe that they can do the same quality education or get the same results online and the yeah. amazing thing is after they saw the results they thought the interaction was deeper the discussions were deeper the transformation was deeper and uh like i won five international awards for the online courses we've designed because and everybody wanted after that they wanted to do more of that so that was my first introduction to actually teaching online and helping people create courses and create like take their knowledge and expertise and put it into something that's more tangible and can be delivered anywhere over this online medium so i i thought i had an amazing life i have my career but start something started feeling like oh i want to be more creative i don't want somebody to tell me how much i can make i don't want to have a boss and in the middle of like right after we're coming off of the 2008 recession I went to my husband I said I want to quit my job and start my business because how hard can it be I have a degree in theoretical physics and computer science and engineering creating a business could be like nothing and I followed this you know like follow your passion because that's how you create a business turn your hobby into money making I've always had a hobby of being a photographer so I said I'm gonna start a photography studio how hard can it be and speaking of a culture shock the culture shock of going from the academic world into marketing world into having your own business was a lot bigger than coming from former Soviet Union to America. Because yeah. now I had to talk about myself, now I had to sell myself, I had to actually 
prove to people that I was good. I had to chase after people and convince them to work with me. So I spent a couple of years in my photography business learning everything I could about marketing. And I got it to six figures. And this was my first introduction to challenges. Because as photographers, we would get together in these online groups or forums and challenge ourselves. We would say, okay, this month we're going to only shoot black and white. Or this month we're going to do try the underwater photography. Or this month we're going to be doing like a whole bunch of flower pictures, whatever that was. And mm -hmm. it was fun. It was engaging. There was a lot of the community elements. And nobody was making money on that. That was just to bring us all together and help us step out of a box and get more creative and like challenge ourselves, right? To do something new and different. And so as my business evolved, I realized I created a super successful, unscalable business because everything was one-on-one -on -one and I was looking to get into a one-to-many model, which is again, how do you teach more people online and how do you create a scalable leveraged business that has no limitations. I switched to doing more of a business coaching because a lot of people started coming to me and saying, how did you get so visible, so fast, so visible online? How do you get clients from Facebook without paying for ads? So I said, okay, I'm just going to teach people. I'm going to coach. And I followed the advice of a lot of coaches. When you start a coaching business, what you do is you have a lot of introductory enrollment sessions, you're having those strategy sessions. So I let go of my photography business and started my coaching business. And for about four months, that was the biggest struggle of my life because I kept talking to people saying like, look, this is where you are. This is where you want to go. I can help you get there. And I was getting responses like, well, why would I want to learn about business from a photographer? Or, and how long have you been coaching? And my response, well, like about 15 minutes, you can be my first client. Can you, <laughs> can you get in there? So I went through about four months. I've done over 40 introductory sessions and I get zero clients. Because I didn't know how to sell. I didn't have my own value. So there was a lot of my own stuff that was going on. And I started bringing this whole desperation to the calls that I've had with people. Like, I have to get this client or else. And I remember one night I was sitting in the car and I had one last call coming up, like in another strategy session. I'm like, I have to get this client. Otherwise, I have to dust off my resume and go back working at the university because I need to get a job. This is like the last drop. And of course, I didn't get them. And that was like, that was my big breakthrough moment. I decided that I wanted to do it my way. I decided I needed something that's going to work really fast. That was low tech. That was low, um, low cost, low tech that worked simple. And it had to work really fast because we went through all of our savings. And I've heard from people, a lot of people were saying, well, just create an online program. And of course I forgot that that's what I used to do for a living. Like to me, like creating all, programs for the university was completely different than creating an online program for my business. Like it, it clicked later, but that was like completely not anywhere on the horizon. And what came to me was I'm going to run a challenge because that was easy. That was fast. And I got 43 people seemingly overnight into that challenge. And that was mm -hmm. about six years ago. And that was the beginning of my whole entire boom of the business. So this is sort of like a, <laughs> uh, my pathway to how I stumbled the challenges. And I got my business to six figures in the next six months, next nine months. Yeah. And so just step us through then what, what exactly that means in terms of an online challenge. Like what, what, what is that? How is it different from like a, like a product launch or a website or just asking somebody to buy something that you put online? Just, just step us through what the, what the fundamental differences are. 
Yeah. So just the basic of what a challenge is in my definition, how we use it for business, what I teach hundreds of people now, or even thousands of people. So a challenge is basically a mini training. The, the format that I use, it's a, now that we've perfected over the years, it's a five day free online challenge that you run live. And it's a mini training where you're taking a group of people all at the same time for them to learn a new skill or to create a new habit or to master something. And it has a beginning at the end. It, it's happening over five days and you're giving people very focused bite-sized content every day and you're giving them an action to take so you basically promote your challenge as you would promote anything just saying like hey i have this really fun free training happening do you want in it's a really easy yes because it's experiential because it's practical they get access to you and they can see the results in as little as five days and during this challenge you they get to know you they fall in love with you the no like and truster uh, no like and trust factor goes through the roof and then they're ready to say yes to you because they've just experienced a transformation they've just experienced a series of wins and you clearly indicate that the next offer you're making is the next step and they can see it and they say yes to you so i use it as a as a mechanism to enroll people into my events into my uh online coaching programs, into my one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching, anything that you want to lead your people to. To me, it's a, such a much simpler alternative to a traditional Jeff Walker style launch, which is complicated, which is you have to spend a lot of time and money creating it so it's good. To me, everything I've ever done in my business since I started that has been, it's a, I call it challenge-based launch or a challenge launch formula if you want. Mm -hmm. And it's simply doing a challenge, getting all of these people together as a community, excited, getting them the results to a small problem you, you promised to solve for them, and then inviting them to your next offer. Yeah. Mary, you're looking very like, I got the, I got the perplexed Mary eyebrow thing going over there. So did you have a, did you have a question or do you want me to jump in with, with, with a, a basic question that, uh, and I'm sure Ask some me, people. As many basic questions as you want. <laughs> so give yeah. me Example. Yes. Like I'm trying to get my brain around the idea of the challenge and who would do it. Is it growing their no. business? Tell Alina, tell Alina more about who you are and what you do and let, cause I'm not sure that Alina really knows all the fun stuff you do. So we let either the vacation rental or, um, you know, inventing a paycheck, maybe use one of those as an example and then let Alina kind of kick it around. Okay. That would be awesome. Well, you tell me which one might be a good example. So I sell real estate. I manage vacation rental properties. I have a podcast series called Inventing a Paycheck. Mm -hmm. um, and then I might Tell me more about your podcast series. Oh, so I just came up with this phrase. I kept saying over and over as something would come happen as being an entrepreneur, I didn't anticipate an expense. I go, well, I guess I got to go invent a paycheck. So then I realized, well, I started writing a course, inventing a paycheck with a vacation rental, uh, inventing a paycheck with your gut instinct, inventing a paycheck with a radio show, inventing a paycheck. And it's, it's kind okay. of endless. Yeah. So perfect. So I'm just going to take one of them because it's like, since we're on a podcast, so let's just look about how to invent your paycheck with a radio show. Right. So what would your goal be? Would the goal be for people to sign up to sign for your podcast and listen to it or your radio show or actually buy a program on how to get started with the radio show? So we, in, anytime we're thinking about a challenge, it's always like, what are you leading people to? That's the first step. So what would you want to sell? 
the many courses that I'm creating and all the inventing a paycheck. So one, get them to be a listener, give me their email address and take them through the funnel. Okay. And what would they be buying at the end of it? They would first get something for free, then my mini course, and then the bigger online course with some coaching. Okay. So let's say we're not talking about the free stuff because we always want to start with the paid offer you're leading them to. So let's say your paid offer is your mini course on how to get started with the radio show, right? So what we need to do now is take one step back and look at what is one objection they might have around creating a radio show or what is the prerequisite for them to actually get started with their own radio show. So answer one of those questions, if you can. Picking their topic and knowing their audience. Who do they Perfect. want to talk to? Right. So you take that step back and you can have run a five-day challenge on to identify your ideal client. Or you can run a five-day challenge on pick, come up with the title for your radio show. And then you get over the five days, you completely give them everything you know about that topic. So if it's the audience, then you're going to have whatever your language is, you're going to figure out their avatar, you're going to figure out their demographics, you're going to figure out how they talk, what they think, what their language is. And so in those five days, people will feel, this is your lead magnet, by the way, because to sign up for a challenge, they have to give you email. So you can send them the, the instructions, you can send them the videos. You also want to have a community. So I highly, highly recommend, that's the only tool I recommend is using Facebook groups. So it grows your Facebook following. It's a free online community. And every time you run a challenge, you add more and more people to it. So it grows your list, it grows your Facebook following, it grows your credibility because more people find out what you do. And in just five days, you're going to solve that specific problem that they have. So now they either have, let's say they have their ideal client avatar, or they know exactly what they want to focus their radio show and they have the idea, maybe they even have the title. So they feel so grateful to you because you promised them to solve one specific problem over five days and by day five, they have it. Very few things allow you to test someone to see if you want to work with them ahead of time. There's all this distrust, there's all this like, oh, I've signed up for other things before they didn't work. So one of the things with challenges is allows them to taste, test you see how you teach, see how you can help them get the results. So by the time the five days are over, you still not even, you don't even have to talk about your program, but you will have people saying like, well, now that I have the title, now that I have the name for my radio show, where do I go next? And you go, well, it just so happens to be, I have this program. And would you like to do a do-it-yourself program? Or would you like to sign up for a higher level where I will personally coach you? And then you lead them to that offer, but they're already ready for it. They already see it as their next step. They're excited and they know that you are the right person to give it to them. So it eliminates this whole like, well, I want to do it, but who do I learn it from? Because they've just got addicted to you because uh, there's something that happens in our brains that like that's all of the, 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 the Candy Crush kind of games, right? Like you do this and it goes, wee, you do this and it goes, wee. So if you can deliver a win, a small win every day. So day one, maybe like what brainstorm 20 different ideas for a show. Day two would be like, pick your favorite one. Day three, do some market research around that. Day four, maybe name it. Day five, maybe like what is the, put it all together as a concept, right? So every day you're giving them small bite-sized piece of content with tells them exactly what they need to do. And every day they can experience the win and move forward towards their goal. If they experience those wins from you for three days or more, they can separate themselves from you because they associate you with getting the, those wins and that transformation. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's awesome. Does it make it a little bit easier to understand? That's great. I have yeah. a question around that. Yeah. So 
so since you're building this bigger group and it's being reverse engineered based on what your end goal is, mm-hmm. how do you decide what to name the, the group? Do you name the group what the, kind of what the end goal is? Because I'm assuming these challenges, you're getting a new pod of people coming into the group each time. Yes. And if it was if it was just around that five day challenge, it's kind of hard harder to introduce new things to yeah. it. Or so do you have two separate groups or how, do, how does that actually work? Great question. Love it. So my, my three passions in my business is helping pe- people create online programs. It's helping people create their five day challenges. And the third one is creating engaging and lovely and and communities that you can monetize. So it's, it's like, I love your question. So first of all, you always want to have one group because you don't want to have these, the worst mistake that people make with challenges that is they create a pop-up group. Like here's this group for just specifically this challenge. And they get maybe a thousand people into it, or 5,000 people or even a couple hundred people. And then they get them all excited and the percentage of them will say yes to your next offer. So they're now in your program. And then people throw that group and throw it away. So you're basically taking your best, warmest leads who maybe were not ready for this offer or not ready yet. The worst thing you want to do is throw them away, right? So you always want to have it in the same group. As far as the naming the group, you want to think of it, what kind of community do I want to create? So it's always going to be much bigger than you, much bigger than your business, and much bigger than any specific offer you have. So you don't want to name your group after a challenge. So for example, my Facebook community is called Business Owners Who Think Big. It's a much bigger umbrella than me. It's a much bigger umbrella than my business. And it feels like a community. It has this community feel versus like it's all around me. It's not going to be like Alina's success corner. It's business owners who think big. So when people see it, like they don't care who this group belongs to. They just feel I need to be a part of this or this is where I belong and if you do that then you can run as many challenges or make as many offers in it as you want so I just ran a challenge on six-figure idea how to come up with an idea for your program Uh, two months before that I ran authority accelerator which was how to increase your authority which in the same exact group so we always add people to the group we're over 27,000 people in it and majority of those people came because we do challenges on a regular basis in our group does that answer your question Oh, definitely. And it, it actually adds a few other elements that it makes a lot of sense because then the people who are in the group, they're already on to thinking bigger and they're more apt to want to help the new people coming in. Whereas yeah. if it was not, they probably would just like, eh, I'll wait mm-hmm. till they're done with their challenge and then talk to yeah, them later if they the, stick and around. <laughs> yes. And there's always this engagement. There's always like, if you've ever run a Facebook group, you know that there's an excitement and then it kind of wins and the engagement kind of goes down. So if you do another challenge uh, for us, it increases the engagement by over a thousand percent anytime we do a challenge and then it doesn't go down right away. It stays up for a couple more months and then we're doing the next challenge and then again, increases the engagement. And one of the questions I get a lot is how do you actually monetize your Facebook group or how do you get people from your Facebook community onto your email list? And the answer is always challenges. It's the best way to monetize your group. And in order to put participate in a challenge, they have to sign up. So that's how you get them from your group, from the Facebook onto your list. Interesting. So let me just make sure I'm, I'm, I'm clear on this. So first of all, do, I know there's different rules of thumb around this. Um, do you, do people pay to be in the challenges? Do you, do you suggest that they pay a, a nominal fee or something to, to take part? Great question. Uh, so there's, three ways you can use challenges in your business. 
first one is to grow, to engage your existing members. So the first one is not what we're talking about. This is if you already have a year long mastermind or six months group coaching, you have some kind of a membership site. So you would never charge for that because it's more of an added value bonus for the people who are already in your community just to re-engage them or to get them to actually implement what they're learning. Or you can do it at the beginning of the program. You can do it at the end. You can have like any kind of milestones and challenges. That's just to get people into doing stuff versus just sitting there passively and learning. Like for the membership site, if people are not engaged, they're probably not going to stay and kind of cancel their subscription. So that's one way of using challenges in your business. If you have anything like long-term, and you want people to stick and still be engaged. The second way is um, when you have paid challenges. So the five-day challenges, this is what I teach, and this is like my main mechanism for getting clients, and this is what got my business from zero to over a million dollars in just the first four years. It's all using the same concept. So free five-day challenges, they're lead generation. They're free, and they're super short. The longer ones, if you want to run a 28-day challenge, if you want to run a 30-day challenge, 45-day challenge, there's not enough willpower for anybody to do it for free and stick with you for that long. And it's a lot more work and it's a lot more engagement and it's a lot more babysitting them for those 30, 40 days and giving them free content. So if you looking at it as a lead generation strategy, as a way to get people to your paid offer, they should be short, five days. Every once in a while, I allow my people to do seven days, if, but they have to have like a really good reason. Like they're talking about seven chakras and it just makes sense to have seven days. Otherwise it's five days, otherwise you start losing people. If you want to do anything longer, even 10 days, 21 days, 28 days, you need to pay for it. And then it turns into a program in a challenge format. So that's my definition for that. So then you basically have to do a launch to sell that because now you have, you're not just inviting people to a free offer, you're inviting people to buy. So it's a different concept. So it's basically selling a program in a challenge format. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. yep. It does. Yeah. I mean, and, and this is very near and dear to, to my heart because we are, and let me just throw this out at you as a, as a case study as well, if you don't mind providing some feedback on it in real sure. time here. Um, we, we are actually in the process right now of launching uh, a get booked on five podcasts in five days uh -huh. for $55 challenge. So, and, and I'm wondering from a structure perspective, like if we're trying, like if I would actually, because my, my tendency is to over deliver. So mm -hmm. I would actually deliver too much, but the core promise of the challenge, and I know every challenge based on, you know, your teachings and so on needs to have a tangible promise, okay. a tangible yes. benefit, a tangible outcome. And mm -hmm. so, so the, the outcome here is you'll get booked on five podcasts in five days, mm -hmm. right? Um, how does that land first of all on, on you just as a concept? Well, what, What's your reason for charging for it? So the reason for charging for it is because, great question. Um, to the pay thinking, for Podcast Magazine. <laughs> to pay for Podcast Magazine, exactly, yes. Uh, then there's that. Mm -hmm. um, but the thinking is, since we give away a lot of free resources, like the Ultimate Directory of Podcasters, and actually to, to Richie's point, to date, Podcast Magazine and so on, um, it feels like there's enough that they can get from us to help them in, in certain ways for, for free. So the, the idea is to attract people who are more likely than others 
to potentially attend the New Media Summit. So once they get a taste for five podcasts, they're going to want to get booked on more podcasts and then uh, potentially become uh, members of our Icon Maker year-long program, right? Okay, so So I have a lot to say about that. Please. (laughs) Okay, number one, um, the differences between challenges and any other lead magnet is that instead of attracting freebie seekers, you're attracting action takers. Because the only people who will say yes to a challenge are the people who are actually ready to see results right now and ready to take action. Otherwise, they won't sign up for the challenge. They'll download your, your directory of podcasters and that will, be like, that will make them feel good. They'll never do anything with it. But those are not the people you want. So one of the beautiful things about the challenge, because you're immediately giving them assignments, you're immediately putting them into action, and they know that because you're gonna set it up with like in these five days and only in these five days. After that, all of the materials go away. So for these five days, I'm gonna teach you for free how to get booked on five podcasts. So that is your natural selection for who are the action takers right now. So. That's number one. Just keep it with the mind. Just because they paid an extra $55, what it's going to do is going to really limit how many people sign up for it to begin with. Because I use the challenge as a way for them to test who you are, to test how you teach, to see if they actually want to give you uh, money for anything else, if they want to invest, and kind of how much do you know and how much you resonate. So you're immediately kind of shortcutting this and only going to attract people who are ready to say yes to you right now. Does that make mm. sense? Where mm-hmm. the whole, like in my perspective, I use challenge to bring people who've never heard of me before in a five days tournament of raving fans. At the end of our challenges, people go, I signed up for it. Like somebody told me like the day before, I've never even heard of you before. And now, oh my gosh, I want to follow you forever. I want to know what else. I want to figure out how we can work together. So that is to me the purpose of the challenge, not to separate people who are ready to say yes to you right now. Does that so make me- sense? It totally makes sense. So let me ask you this. And then, you know, Richie or Mary just kind of jump up and down if you guys want to chime in here, because I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go as, and we don't, we don't have a hard cap here in terms of time. So Alina, we'll go as long as you want to keep, keep going here. Um, I'm free till next Tuesday. Sweet. Um, so <laughs> challenge right now. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, so to that end, so let's say we did it for for free, and I and I hear you, right? It's a matter of you know, do you, some people say if you pay, you pay attention, right? Like that. But your distinction is if people they pay are, attention if they're the challenge, right? I got you. So what about a VIP offer? So free for the core offer, and then a VIP offer for those who do opt in to say yes to the challenge. How do you feel about that? Okay, so I'm going to tell you what, because I've tried so many different variations, we've taught it so many different ways, and most of the, the reason I put my formula the way it is right now, because I've done it other ways and it didn't work. So a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about, it's not just because like, well, I think this is how we need to do it. It's because I've tried it lots of other ways, yeah. and it didn't work. So what we were doing at the very beginning, uh, like in very first few times when I was doing the five-day challenge format, the very first challenge I created was 21-day challenge. And then we've tried seven days, I've tried 30 days. We experimented a lot like over the last six years. And we've also had hundreds of people who went through our programs and they've experimented with a lot of things. So like, just take it with the, like we've tried it probably already and here's why. So the when my business was still, growing up when I was still like, Hey, I wish I was, I could make another $10 to pay for something. So what we were doing with the challenges is we would actually have a free five day challenge and then we would sell recordings to it 
kind of as your, like, how do I make money before the challenge event starts? Mm -hmm. So we would say you would have full access to all of the trainings for the next five days. If you would like to have lifetime access to these recordings, to review them, to go back through them anytime you want to get booked on podcasts again, for just $37, you can have lifetime access to that. So this is how we were making money upfront. And a lot of my clients are doing it right now. One of my clients just, uh, and she just posted on our Facebook group. She says, my challenge is starting in three days. And we already had 34 people bought the recordings for $27. So I already made over a thousand dollars and the challenge hasn't even started. Hmm. So it's a great way to, and people buy three times when they're buying the recordings initially, because they're like, well, I'm going to be busy. I want to make sure I get access to everything. Then they buy when the challenge starts and they realize how valuable it is. And then they buy it on the last day because you say, this is the last time you have access. So you have kind of three ways. So she's going to have more. This is, she's just experiencing the first wave right now. And then you can still lead people to your offer and kind of keep everything the same, but you're monetizing in the front. And what we've noticed as we were kind of like, as I knew better how to sell, as I was, my offers became clearer and clearer and we knew what we were doing, what I realized that it actually, because I want people to buy my big thing. Like you want people to come to your new media summit, right? That's your goal. That's the main goal. Or maybe mm-hmm. sign up for your mastermind and work with you further for like a year or whatever. So if you sell something upfront, you basically reduce, reducing buyer's tension. Because you kind of want to walk them through the entire launch and not have them feel like, well, I'm not going to come to the new media summit, but at least I bought the recordings or at least I got this access. Because like, would you rather have them uh, buy a ticket to to your summit or buy something for $55 ahead of time? Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So that's kind of, so I stopped doing it about three years ago. So for our new people who are just starting out and they're like, Hey, every penny counts, they do the recordings and then they sell their program. But for anybody who's at a little bit more mature stage of their business, I would say don't sell anything to them until you make your main offer. And what we do after that is we put those recordings as a bonus for people who sign up for whatever we're selling or Mm -hmm. as a down sell for people who were not ready to step up. So we're still getting that money, but we're getting it at the back end. So people who were ready to say yes for bigger things, we don't give them any excuses to say, well, at least I have this. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. Rich, are you? uh, Yeah, yeah. I have have quite a few, but one, I want to just address what she said to Uh you, especially because you're so good, Steve, at coaching people that if the wider you can get it at the beginning, that they can see an example of how you coach people through and you know, put someone on a hot seat and really get in there back, back to even the word challenge. I can see how that an action taker wants to take a challenge. They like, they want to do stuff. And eventually even all the way to your icon maker, like you want people that actually want to do things and get it done. Right. Those are the people who are going to succeed in that anyway. So it kind of, it fits on many levels, not just getting people more in the beginning, but if it's, you know, the bigger offer at the end, you don't want to sell things just for selling things. I mean, don't get me wrong. We all like making money, but no. you, you really want to help change people's lives. And so people who will actually do the work are going to be better served in that group anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I add a couple of things to that? Yeah. Uh, so number one, yes. Like there's people who are going to sign up and still not go through the five days. There's people who are going to like disappear halfway through. So you always have the attrition, but the people who stay, they actually convert three times higher than the people from the street or people who just downloaded a PLC or downloaded a free gift. So we see, so if I do a webinar 
just to my list or with affiliates, or if I do a webinar, the same exact webinar after a challenge, our conversions are three times. And Gina Gabellini said the same thing, Sage Levine said the same thing. So the numbers go through the roof if they went through a challenge experience. So even if you have some attrition in it, which you will, the people who stick, they are your yes people. Like they're absolutely your ideal clients. And another mm -hmm. thing I wanna kind of uh, say, not everybody resonates with the word challenge. For my people, they like to be challenged. They're like, hey, that means I'm going to stretch myself. I'm going to go outside of my comfort zone and good things happen outside of the comfort zone. So my people have this mentality. Your people do too. But I work with a lot of healers. I work with people around grief. I work with people around parenting. The word challenge is just not the right thing to say, especially in the current times. So yeah. we have like a whole list of other words you can use. It could be a journey, it could be mini training, it could be adventure, it could be celebration. So that word can be changed into any word that resonates with your community and still imply that we're gonna have, do this work over the next five days and you're gonna get these results. So the word challenge, like I'm not attached to it whatsoever. It works for my people and it works for a ton of other people, but we work with a lot of people who like, they taking them on a five day quest or it's a five day game or it's a five day adventure. So there's lots of ways to substitute that and soften it a bit. Mm. I have one small yeah. question because I'm yeah. not sure if I missed it or if we didn't cover the third way when we were talking about how you, whether how, to charge for it or not in the beginning. Yeah, so the first one is to re-engage your existing members who are already your paid members. The second one is sell it as a program in a challenge format. So anything that's longer than five days, you want to charge for it. And the third one is the five-day challenges to engage brand new people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really, really helpful. And so mm, I, there's so many different directions to go, but let me, let me go in this direction, which is how do you actually get people uh, from a traffic perspective to what are the, some of the best ways to get folks signed on uh, onto this challenge or what, you know, whatever you're calling a masterclass, et cetera, et cetera. What, what are some of the, the best ways to get people to, to know that it actually exists and to, and to sign on? <laughs> It's the same way how you would promote anything. So if you have an email, use your email. If you have JD partners, use JD partners. If you're paying for Facebook ads traffic, pay for Facebook ad traffic. I work with a lot of people who are beginners, uh, so don't have budget for Facebook ads, don't have Facebook following, don't have a Facebook group. That's one of like, I don't have a Facebook group yet. I can't run a challenge. And it's actually completely backwards. Running a challenge creates your engaged and active Facebook group overnight. So even when I do VIP days and like bigger, come, bigger, people come to me with like million multi-million dollar businesses like how do i start a facebook group you run a challenge that's the best way to get thousands of people into your group overnight get them talking to each other have the sense of community and you're going to have this engaged super engaged super amazing community basically overnight after five days of the challenge so um so that's not an excuse but I do work a lot with a lot of people who like, I've never had a JV partnership. I don't have a list. I don't have a Facebook following. Where do I start? So mm -hmm. number one is you just go and talk to people. So if it's a, if, if the doors are open and we can go back to networking events or going starting traveling to events, just have a flyer, have some kind of like sign up here for the challenge. It's a really easy yes. And it's different. It feels different than saying, download my ebook or sign up for this checklist because that mm -hmm. feels like uh you just want my email and we like so like we don't want any more of that we don't want to be on somebody else's list and even the checklist is not really worth it if you say it's going to be a live five-day training with me coaching you and leading you and here's the results you're going to get and it's at no cost and no risk 
it's a much easier yes because it's experiential what people want is not more information they want the experience and transformation and that's what the challenge provides so when it's mm -hmm. a free offer like nobody will say no to it so that's number one just go talk to people make a mm -hmm. list of 30 40 people who could benefit from this reach out to them privately send them a private message send them an email and say hey i have this cool thing happening it's only five days it's completely free it's low commitment and you're going to get these incredible results there's another really beautiful thing that happens with challenges that doesn't happen with any other marketing method you have the social proof so one of the things we do with everybody who joins our challenge is we ask them who else do you know who can benefit from this amazing powerful pre-training and we give them a little snippet and we say okay you can post this on your facebook page you can put it on your like and basically says hey i'm participating in this challenge i thought of you here's why i think you would find it incredibly valuable just sign up here and it's only going to be here for a limited time and then like especially when i was first starting out over 30% of the people who participate in a challenge actually came from their friends because they will trust them a lot more than they would trust seeing an ad from me. So that is another, like it has a viral component, especially if you build your challenge where people have to do something outside of the outside of your group, maybe post like I'm an expert in something on their personal profile and put some kind of a hashtag that relates to your challenge, maybe even link to your challenge. People could be joining just because they're seeing their friends doing something fun. Yeah. So lots, yeah. lots more, of course. But yeah. Yeah, I know, and I know we're just just kind of scratching the surface here. For Mary, sure. any uh, any further questions here? And I've got one question I want to uh, add before we wrap up here. But Mary, uh, any anything else for Alina? Well, it's not a question. It's more like I was really glad that you said you can name it something other than challenge. Mm -hmm. That's the word of the day for Steve right now. You. When we were at the top of the show, you were saying challenging times. And um, I would want to rephrase it like benefit-based or something that they're like, wow, I finished these five days and I more of a proactive word like that. So that was good. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. Rich, uh, last question for, for Lena as it relates to uh, reinventing the online challenges here. It's, yeah, it's, it's kind of a question. Actually, I'll try to formulate it as it, because I have like 30 things I really want to ask her. I'll try to make it be one. Um, have you noticed right now um, when it comes, because I, I, I actually really like paid, um, because I think paid, you can scale quicker and see if you can't scale something with paid, it's, it's potentially hard to scale. Not mm -hmm. always, there's exceptions to the rule, but what do you think about maybe um, going live with something that has been a challenge for you or, in, you know, Steve maybe talking about how getting booked the original five times or whatever it is. And you just talk about something in the past and then almost think of it, how it could potentially lead to be an ad later. Like, have you, have you worked with any of that stuff or has that just seemed too you mean like to promote the challenge or yeah, to? Yeah, because I, I think just someone talking, going out and being live and like, hey, and just letting people know I'm, I'm, I've been working on this. It was a challenge. You know, I'm thinking back of when I got started, right? Just like almost like a story, but then you could use that content later and actually whether it's just a piece of it or the post in entirety, actually turn that into something where you just 
be cognizant when you're doing your filming, like, hey, and so I've decided I'm going to start a challenge. And for those, you know, so they were in the story with you, they got hooked, they were in the story, and then you presented the offer. But it was, it was real, like they got something out of the post, and they felt a little bit about you in the first place. Like, have you ever done anything with that? Or Yeah, I think there's several different concepts mixed in in this. Uh, so first of all, we don't do our challenge life. So I, that's, that's not something we got to cover. But in my formula, you pre-record those videos for each of your days. And it's five to 10 minutes video. It's not hours and it's not live for many, many reasons. Like I can tell you like five different reasons why you should not be doing your challenge live, which is one of the big mistakes lots of people make with their challenges. So we do a lot of Facebook lives to promote the challenge. And it's part of it, of course, is like, here's why I'm creating this, or here's the three biggest myths about getting booked on podcasts. So let's talk about that. And of course, those can be repurposed into ads either right away or so you can record a Facebook live and run it live to it and invite people to your challenge. I also there think like in my mind, I separate the word challenge in terms of like we're living in challenging times or I have all of these challenges with getting clients online with the word challenge that means to step up to kind of push yourself to stretch yourself. So I wouldn't necessarily combine them because I think it confuses people. If you just say I went through this challenge and I'm creating a challenge for you, it almost sounds like you're going to add more trouble on their plate. Right. So you don't mm -hmm. want to like them in their mind connect that. So what we usually say is like, I went through this and this is why I've, I've put this together, this training who wants in or like, here's three biggest things to know about podcasting. And I'm, I have these this free challenge that you can join so I can tell you exactly how to overcome them. So whatever it is. So we obviously use, it's one of the best free tools on Facebook to promote your challenge is doing Facebook lives. I've also shared a lot of my stories. Um, one time I've actually done exactly what you said. I said, Hey, I never done videos like in a row, like more than like I do video maybe once a month. It was like three, four years ago. And I said, I want to challenge myself to do one video every day for 30 days. Who wants in? And then we'll do it together. So I've done those things. So there's lots of different combinations of that you can do. So the answer is yes. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so much that we could cover here. Here's what we're going to do. Um, and we'll, we'll coordinate uh, between our teams here, but we'll, uh, let, let's do this. Let's put, so at reinventionradio.com forward slash challenges, plural, uh, reinventionradio.com forward slash challenges. We'll have some resources there, uh, from Alina that can really help you take this concept further. And, you know, again, just having seen what Alina has been able to do, uh, with this particular initiative over the years and uh, really mastered it now um, so much. I mean, just watching you grow over the last 12 months, especially, uh, and how you're really putting your own spin on everything and just the, the unique, uh, well, first of all, obviously the experience that you have of running these challenges, but then also in terms of the unique perspective you have uh, insofar as uh, helping so many of your clients position what they do and in, and in literally any niche that you can think of uh, so no matter what niche you are in, uh, a challenge can absolutely work for you. So we'll, we'll do that. We'll go uh, and put some resources for you there at reinventionradio.com slash challenges, plural. Uh, and then you'll be able to connect with Alina there. In the meantime, Alina, if people uh, want to connect with you outside of those resources that we'll make available there, uh, where's the best place for folks to get in touch with you? 
Yeah. So I think the best way to kind of follow me, see what's going on and actually participate in one of our challenges is go to my Facebook group. So search business owners who think big, join us. It's an amazing community. We allow you to promote yourself. We allow you to talk about your business, showcase your expertise. And that's why we do the challenges. And like we've done we have three challenges planned for the first six months of the year. We'll probably have the same for the next three months. So anytime you join, there's probably going to be a challenge happening anytime. If you're watching it like right now when we're doing it, I know I have a visibility Kickstarter challenge coming up. So definitely would love to invite you to that. Steve will have all the links to join that. And also like, you can just go straight to the group and participate in it when we are running it live because experiencing it is very different than just talking about that. And you'll, you'll find all of the nuances that maybe we did not get a chance to go through. And yeah. one of the resources I'll definitely uh, send to you, Steve, is I have a challenge checklist, which is mm. uh, basically it's a checklist of every single Thing you need to create in order to run a successful and profitable challenge. So it has like, you need to create this opt-in page. You need to create that thank you page. You need to have these many Facebook posts to kind of, it's the, it's taken directly out of my program that teaches people how to run their challenges. It's called fast, easy, and profitable online challenges. And it's the exact same checklist that my team uses to make sure we have all of the elements in place and not forgetting anything for before the challenge, during the challenge, and after the challenge is over. Mm, that is an awesome resource. I have seen that. I have read that. And I know you updated that recently. So I'm looking forward to checking out that new version as well. And again, we'll post all that fun stuff that you mentioned, radio.com forward slash challenges. Uh, and then just join Alina's group, uh, the Facebook group there. It's free. You don't have to, you know, just go join the group, check out everything that's going on there. Uh, and that's business owners who think big. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yes, correct. Yeah. There you go. All right, Alina Vincent, we're going to let you jump and uh, Richie and Mary and I will wrap up. So thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thank we'll you so much you. for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. Welcome. Talk Absolutely. soon. <laughs> Bye. All righty. So let's do this, which is do a little bit of wrap up here. Uh, we want to uh, longer than, than I thought we might, but I'm glad we did because we covered a lot of ground here today. So Mary, could you, could you see potentially uh, doing a challenge as it relates to uh, one element uh, or more of your business? I can see it with the Inventing a Paycheck series. Yeah. Because yeah. just the name implies, oh, okay, we're already heading for the paycheck. Well, let's do it faster. Let's lay the groundwork in five days. So I just have to get the structure in mind. So I'll probably head over to the Facebook group and check that out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And Rich, maybe you caught it, but I, I, I think I missed it slightly. So in, if you create the Facebook group, that's a bigger Facebook group. That's not just, you know, the name of the challenge. Was, was Alina saying that you, you can do challenge after challenge after challenge in, in that group? But if you do it in that group, then don't all the other, but I guess if you're not charging for it, it doesn't matter. If you're not charging for it, then it doesn't matter if all the people who were in your past challenges have access to your current challenge because it's not in, at least it's not in her model to charge for the challenge itself. Did I get that right, wrong? I, I think you got it right. And I think that's okay. why you named it bigger. And that's why you have different challenges that drive people in because if if it was just the same 
challenge the people who are already in there, the, the participation is going to go way down. But if it's a, mm -hmm. if it's a new challenge, that's why she w went over those three again, right? The first reason is to reactivate the group, mm. right? Like that, yeah. that's the piece that was missing. And I wanted to, can you say that one more time? I know you said it, but I didn't really, yeah. that, that's, that's why you're bringing in a new one. So because those groups tend to die, right? Like Facebook groups, historically, they're just, I mean, very few have ongoing active participants. So that's a great way to just breathe new life into that group over and over again. What were, what were the other two reasons? And then one was for the longer group. You're actually, oh, not, this wasn't the reasons for naming it the bigger, but it was the three ways to do yeah, it. Three so ways, right. that was the read to activate. The second one was you do a longer one for actual money, right? So this yeah. course disguised as a challenge. I don't think that's the word she used, but yeah, it's close enough. And then, um, but I think just to quickly go back to your, your point or the question there and what, what how I think you're th thinking it out is, yeah. you know, it'd be something around and you're better with names and this stuff than I am, but something around like almost like what Mary's was like inventing the paycheck with the podcast, but even bigger than that. Right. Mm -hmm. you you know, monetize your voice or whatever. And um, something that's just bigger that you can have multiple challenges in there. And then the, the part that I agree, definitely agree with it for her is man when people get to get in an experience i'm just going to reiterate what i said earlier get in and experience you and see you coach someone like other than the pandemic going on i think that was one of the things at the last event that was a challenge for you like we there was so much going on there wasn't yeah. really that time where like let's show how steve how good steve is at that and so I think this would be a fantastic approach for you um, because mm -hmm. if you could find the, the active people that are up for a challenge or whatever you want to call it, yeah, you're just really doers and not just thinking they're going to go get booked on a bunch of shows and they're going to be a millionaire now. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, and I think I'll probably find a happy medium between Alina's approach and what some of the others are doing in the space right now. And I know Pedro Odeo has got a huge following and he's teaching challenges. And so there's others, uh, you know, that are kind of in this world. Um, they're all about charging. Alina, I like her approach, you know, with getting more people in so they can experience you. I think kind of the, the happy medium for, for me, at least my takeaway here is free in terms of coming into the challenge or whatever it's called, and then having an immediate upsell. So like, for instance, I know when you go into a Facebook group, it's really, really hard when you broadcast live to a Facebook group to keep an eye on all of the, the comments and this, that, and the other. But if, but if we're doing it on Zoom, when we broadcast out to that group, if I give people access to the Zoom link as an upgrade, as a VIP offer, et cetera, then I can bring them on. I can answer their questions. I can provide personal feedback and guidance. Um, so that combined with the recordings and maybe combined with something else could be like a nice $197 type VIP upsell right out of the gate. So maybe well, there's, we'll- There's also some really cool things you can do with YouTube. Like if you go YouTube, I know she's saying just Facebook, but yeah, there's some really cool stuff you can do now where, you know, uh, oh, it's a super chat and they can pay you 
different levels and their comments will rise to the top and be bigger mm -hmm. and you can talk about and you can bring that one in right now. So mm -hmm. we'd have to do some more stuff with live streaming stuff to pull in those comments and all that. But, yeah. um, and then you can also say, okay, well, I'm done answering all the questions for the people in the free group. But for those of you who are members now, we're going to stay for the next hour and, and you can literally just like toggle off and no one that's not a member can't, I mean, it, it won't come through the same. So actually that, that's a really, really good idea because I'm looking on zoom right now. And one of the things that I can do is stop the live stream. So, so that, I mean, obviously it's not YouTube, that sort of thing. I'm just looking yeah, but at you the, can do the same principle like that. Yeah. Yeah. So if I stop the live stream, I can continue with the private group just for those who are VIP. That's, that's a really, really smart idea. I love that. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's do this, which is wrap up. And uh, again, say thank you to Alina Vincent for joining us and open our eyes to the possibility of uh, using a, a challenge or a quest or a masterclass or whatever you want to call it. Uh, lots of different options there in terms of names and uh, definitely check out the resources uh, that Alina has provided to us to provide to you at reinventionradio.com forward slash challenges. Uh, and we will get those up just as soon as we possibly can. I think we'll leave it at that. And uh, in the meantime, week 736, I think, of the uh, quarantine now. Um, stay safe, stay strong. And for Mary Goulet and Richie Ote and Kelly's got her control back at headquarters. We'll talk to you guys next time here on Reinvention Radio. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit reinventionradio.com. 